It is Victory Sunday. Victory Sunday. It's a solved mission accomplished for Schalke, having already nailed down second spot. They have revenge on their minds. There's that song we missed oh so dearly, the beautiful hymn of the Champions League. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf English. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to English-speaking fans of the club, and get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. Time to bring in my partner in crime, co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? Hey, Richard. The Mother's Day edition... Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. I thought you were going to say happy Mother's Day to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, even more important than Mother's Day, it's Victory Sunday. That's more important, Victory right? Sunday. So, uh, match day 34, the final match day of the season. It's a good Sunday to go out on a Victory Sunday podcast for us because it is uh, the last note that we'll have um, kind of heading out of here. So, uh, good way to, to end the season for us. Yeah, and this uh, being the last week of the Bundesliga season, it kind of threw me off watching the other leagues because it's not necessarily the end of the leagues, uh, end of the games for the rest of those leagues. So I'm watching other leagues and I'm like, oh, the season's over and this team's getting relegated. I'm like, oh wait, no, they have another game left. Never mind. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, before we get into the match, Jack, I kind of want to talk about um, uh, something that happened—a little Bundesliga history—and it kind of turned sour. Uh, and I'm talking, of course, about Hamburg against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, this game would spell the uh, the end of uh, a long history for for Hamburg in in, in uh, top division. Um, did you see what happened there at the end of the match against Gladbach? Yeah, pretty shocking, uh, pretty embarrassing for Hamburg as well. Uh, obviously, trying to avoid relegation. I, what is it, fifty five consecutive years or something along those lines that they have officially fifty four years and two hundred sixty one days. Okay, so there you go. There's the clock, right? Um, yeah, fifty plus years uh, of continuous football in Germany's top flight. Um, you know, one of the very traditional club, a lot of history, and uh, you know, the, it's finally caught up with them. They've had. Some pretty poor seasons in recent years. They've they've somehow avoided relegation, you know, just by the skin of their, you know, whatever. Just the last couple of seasons, they've almost almost gone down a number of times, and it looked like the writing was on the wall this time. And the uh, some of the fans did not react too well to that. There were uh, flares, looked like there's some smoke bombs <laughs> potentially, some fireworks. Uh, pretty embarrassing scene. Obviously, that's not an indictment of all. Hamburg fans, and there were a lot of people on Twitter that were uh, condemning that, but they actually had to temporarily halt the game, and you know the police were on the field. It was a uh, it was a whole season. So not only is this club going going down, but they did so in a, a pretty shameful fashion with that display from some of the fans. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, all with a minute left in stoppage time, and so they had to wait, you know, fifteen, sixteen minutes for it to all you know disperse, and then they played the last. Well, really, they played like ten seconds, and they ended the game as they should have. But uh, yeah, the cops came out there. It was a whole scene. Uh, you saw the aftermath. Uh, what what the what the ultras did, and they destroyed that 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 end zone. Um, 
but yeah, they finally left. Uh, it was a it was a deplorable scene, really, and, and you hate to see when ultras do that all around the world. And uh, it's it's a, it's a shame. Yeah, it's a terrible thing for Hamburg to you know finally go down. It's been seven years in the making or whatever, six seven years in the making. So um, I, I don't know why they're surprised about this, but uh, yeah, it's a bad way to act. And uh, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, they they have the names of these guys and they ban them from coming back because. I'm 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 a big proponent to get those guys out of the game. So, um, yeah, uh, Lewis Holpe's goal not enough to save Hamburg from from relegation. Who would have yeah. thought that Lewis Holpe couldn't do it? He's he's so great. It was <laughs> <laughs> he pulled his ass in the end of the game or something like that. <laughs> his hamstrings. <laughs> no, yeah, but uh, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, Christian Titz seems like he is an excellent manager, at least for Hamburg. I thought they announced that he was going to stay with them. Is that correct? Did I hear that correctly? I thought that too, but then I kind of also heard something that said, "Well, next year hopefully they get a uh, a manager that can bring him back up or something." So I don't know. I hope they bring him back. I think he's he's great for Hamburg. What he's done since he's been there, he's exactly a, yeah a, a yeah. Good they they really played significantly better, um, a much better brand of football, and and tried their best to avoid this. And I think uh, Christian Titz would be a, a great manager to retain if they were able to. I thought I heard that they were. So um, hopefully he stays on, and hopefully they bounce right back up. Uh, and you know, maybe this will be a good thing for them in the long run because they have struggled recently. This could be a little, you know, press the reset button and you know get some fresh blood in there maybe and fresh perspective and, you know, see how things go. Yeah, and maybe they can just bounce right back up and then uh, have a – uh, reformation kind of like uh, Stuttgart did this season, but we'll get to that later. Um, enough of Hamburg's disaster. Let's take it away. Alright, so last week, uh, not only did we lock up the Champions League spot, but also second place guaranteeing our supremacy over Dortmund this season. The boys celebrated as they should, uh, with beer in the locker room, and it kind of made a little bit of a mess, Jack. Uh, at least that's what I'm told. Uh, fortunately for them, Christian Heidel was in a happy celebratory mood and footed the bill to clean up the floor, uh, which I'm sure was just a sicky mess afterwards. Um, this is uh, only the second time in the last eight seasons that the Koningblau have finished ahead of our rural rivals. So uh, all in all, uh, a great season, Jack, uh, don't you think? Definitely. I would have uh, celebrated in similar fashion, except for I would be the one cleaning up my own mess. So I uh, had to avoid <laughs> that. But uh, yeah, can't I mean, afford that, otherwise. Obviously, Champions League is the most important thing. You know, being 11th place last season, uh, missing out on Europe for the first time in quite a while. This was an incredible bounce back year for us on Tedesco. And, you know, Champions League was that ultimate goal. But finishing above Dortmund is, of course, the uh, the cherry on top of the Sunday. Uh, that's something that we don't get to see too often these days, and, and we do love to see it when it happens. So, uh, great way to close out the season. Obviously, no pressure this this last match. We wanted to go on a good note, but thankfully Schalke had locked all this up last week so that we weren't uh, sweating this one out. We could just kind of sit back and <laughs> enjoy the final uh, match for Schalke and Goretzka's final appearance as well. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious to see how. Tedesco would uh, approach this matchup, you know, with with the players uh, and the lineup. So let's get right to the lineup. Um, and actually, uh, before we get to the lineup, you know, uh, talk about a little bit about Frankfurt. Uh, they've won their last two visits to Gelsenkirchen, uh, including the recent DFB Pokal semifinals uh, that happened uh, not too long ago. Um, but that would really be the only good news coming out of uh, Frankfurt, uh, as they've been in a bit of a poor form lately. It's kind of why they slipped out of all the the Champions League and Europa League talk. Um, they were currently they were in seventh place coming into this match week, um, and 
tied on points with with uh, Stuttgart, who were who were facing Bayern Munich. So you would think Bayern would win, but that's why they played the games. Um, Schalke, on the flip side, have been pretty stellar form, only losing once in their last eleven Bundesliga matches. Uh, this match would signal the end of Leon Goretzka's uh, tenure with Royal Blues, as you mentioned, Jack. And uh, uh, he certainly now looks uh, in a completely different light to Max Meyer uh, when you compare the two. What'd you say? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, when when Goretzka finally made his announcement that he was going to Bayern Munich, uh, the fans obviously had that display uh, with the big banner saying something to the effect of, you know, money can't replace, you know, our club. And if you're chasing that, that that's the implication. Essentially right? a traitor. Yeah, right. So um, things were not going too well for Goretzka at that point, but uh, he kept his head down, uh, you know, played hard for us to help us qualify. For the Champions League, and I, I think when it was all said and done, um, you know, the, the fans, the majority of them at least, uh, you know, wanted to give him a nice send off, and they appreciate what he's done for us over the past five years. And, and Max Meyer did not take that approach. I mean, maybe because his decision was still so much, uh, still up in the air, so much further down the road, I should say, than Goretzka's was. Goretzka got that over with earlier in the Rook run, and Max Myers was kind of lingering over uh, much of the second half of the season here. Uh, so, yeah, but obviously a very acrimonious departure for him, suspended from the team for the last couple match days and uh, really nowhere to be seen in the uh, post-match celebration. <laughs> no, no, not at all. You definitely saw Mbolo and Bentaleb in street clothes, but, yeah, you did not see Max Myers anywhere uh, as he was banned. Let's get into the lineups. Um so for Schalke, uh, since they're the home home team, uh, Farman and Net. Then you had, in defense, you had Stambouli, Naldo, and Carrer. Uh, in the midfield, Kalajiri, Goretzka, McKinney, Ochipka. No change there. And then the attack. Well, actually, there was a change. Uh, Schopf was in line of last week, wasn't he? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, and then up up top, you had Harit, Konoplyanka, and Bergstaller. On the bench, we had Alexander Nubel, Di Santo, Baba Raman, Reader, uh, Piazza, Toiker, and Schopf. Um, Pretty standard lineup, and it, nothing that was, I'm sure, that was surprising to you. I thought maybe some of the guys who didn't get as much uh, pitch time during the season would, would get the start in this one, but uh, Tedesco went with his tried and true, and uh, yeah, the formation was basically what he's done all year. Yeah, I was a little surprised as well, given that there wasn't really anything um, up in the air that we didn't maybe see uh, the likes of I don't know, Piazza or Toykert or. Um, maybe even Sasha Reeder starting. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he wanted to go out on a good yeah, note, get some or revenge Sue against or someone. Yeah, get, maybe get some you know revenge against Frankfurt for knocking us out of the Pokal. Um, but well, yeah, it was a pretty strong lineup. Obviously, a lot of the uh, the usual suspects in here. I, I guess the only thing I really comment on is as you said, Ochipka back in the lineup, and then uh, the rare Harit Kanoplyanka combo, which we don't see all that often. So that was that was nice. To see. That's a pretty strong front three of Harit Kanoplyanka and Bergstaller. So I was excited about that. At least. Um, you know, pre-match. You think that something had to they had to play with it? The revenge factor was uh, what Tedesco was looking for, and why he kind of went with such a strong lineup compared to what we were thinking. I don't know. I mean, that's really the only thing I can come up with because, um, I mean, yeah, there wasn't really anything on the line today, other than that, um, other than you know maybe giving Goretzka a send off or having, you know, putting a good performance so the fans are happy in the last two of the season. Beyond that, I don't really. I mean, like I said, everything's locked up, so. Uh, and, I mean, he had some of these guys on the bench, too. They were available. I'm just surprised that, you know, more of them didn't start. Even uh, Baba was on the bench there. Um, he actually did get some playing time later. He came on, which was nice to see him back 
on the pitch getting some minutes, but uh, I thought maybe he'd get a little bit more of a run. Yeah, uh, and Ochipka, you know, we were wondering for so long what's going on because he hadn't been in the lineup for the longest time. We're, we're like, did he fall out of favor with the Desco, or is there an injury we don't know about? And uh, we heard today, and or yesterday in the telecast, uh, whenever the game was actually, <laughs> uh, that Ochi- Ochipka actually had a pubic bone injury, and that's kind of why he was out. And then they want to rush him back, and so he'd start here and there, but the, you know, the pain would come back. So um, I guess that's the, that solves the mystery of why he didn't play, or maybe they just made that up like the Max Meyer thing. <laughs> yeah, I think um wow, his name is escaping me. Wow, this is bad. <laughs> uh who was in the lineup last week instead of Ochipka? Shuff. What Shuff, good lord. Thank you for saving me there. Um <laughs> Shuff did fairly well in Ochipka's absence. I was actually yeah. pretty impressed by that, especially because later uh his last few appearances he was playing on the left hand side where initially because he generally plays on the right, that's where they were deploying him and having Caligari switch out to the left. But ultimately, he was able to uh, go to the left and you know did a pretty serviceable, jo- serviceable job in there. I think he offers a little bit more going forward, maybe not as much on the set-piece delivery. Um, it's nice to have Ochipka available for that, kind of from the opposite angle as, as Caligari would deliver from. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if, maybe that, if that becomes his new position next season, maybe, uh, that would be a nice one-two punch to have, and maybe that has a little bit more depth for us than we maybe would have anticipated going into the season. Yeah, especially with all the extra games we'll be playing next year, it's good to have a, a backup for every position as as best as possible. And as Schulf being able to play in both right and left side uh, to cover for Ochipko and, and Kalajiri, or if he's even starting above one of them, um, it certainly is going to be a, a nice thing to have uh, going into next season for sure. Um Looking at looking at the uh, Frankfurt lineup, uh, Radetzky is it was in uh, is in goal. Uh, rumors this is his last game with the team. He's going to be oh, last Bundesliga game uh, after the season's over. He's gonna, his contract's up and he's going to be moving on. I, I haven't heard anywhere where he's going to go to, but he's going to be a coveted goalkeeper. No, 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 no doubt about it. Yeah, Have you heard anything? I don't know if I've seen any transfers specifically linking him to any one club. Maybe I've missed that, but I agree with you. I think he will be uh, somebody that a, a number of teams will be looking to pick up. He's he's done very well. Uh, for the rest, as far as the rest of the lineup, uh, you had Da Costa as a right back. Uh, Rose, uh, he had. We've always talked about this guy because he's the man bun, but he lost his man bun. Uh, I don't know if you caught that during the game, but I was watching half, maybe maybe a third through the game, and I'm like, wait a minute, where's his where's his ponytail? He has no, he cut his hair. Right, I wish we had that? like a soundboard for sound effects, so we could play some taps right now and you know give it a proper send off. <laughs> but did did he look more aerodynamic out there? Did it help him in any way? I didn't really notice uh, much. He of a didn't difference. look as slow as he did it in the in the first game in the in the okay. Hinda, So maybe there was something okay. to that. <laughs> <laughs> His dance partner was Salcedo, and then uh, Willems, Detro Willems, uh, in the left back. In midfield, Jelson Fernandez. Uh, we remember his uh, short, brief appearance in the DFB Pokal semifinals. Um, Mascarell, Wolf, Kevin Prince, Boateng. He's back, and he would captain the side. Uh, Gasinovic would be in the lineup, as well as Haller. Uh, on the bench for them, some notable names. Uh, Jovic, who, who kind of tormented us the last two times we played them, both in the mm-hmm. semifinals with that beautiful backheel goal. And then the first uh, first time we played them in the Hinrunda, um, he did very well against us. He tormented Stamboli, if I remember correctly. And then their captain, Abraham, who I'm pretty sure they were saving for the for the DFB Pokal final uh, against Bayern next week. Um not only are Frankfurt losing uh, Niko Kovac next year, but like I said, Radetzky. So um, Kovac has done a, a brilliant, uh, brilliant job with uh, Frankfurt, bringing him back up from you know 
a relegation type team to you know middle of the table if not challenging for Europa League. Um, and so next year they're going to have to find a goalkeeper that's going to be able to fill the boots of this goalkeeper. He's a he's a very talented keeper, and um, you know wh- whoever the next manager is, he's going to have to find that find that next gem and uh, instill him in there. Yeah, it's just disappointing the way that uh, Frankfurt ended this season because I think Kovac, as you said, deserves a lot of credit, and uh, you know at least earlier in the rookie he was getting that, and then they really fell off right at the end, and ultimately finish in eighth place where they were at one point uh you know competing for a champions league berth even so i think that maybe soured the end of his tenure and then that in combination with him going to to bayern is obviously not ideal way for him to end the season but uh as you as you say he, he did a great job at frankfurt and um hopefully he's able to keep, i mean actually hopefully he's not able to keep that going <laughs> just for the rest of the league right now yeah but yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure he will and uh, uh i wish frankfurt and our friends at the Eintracht Frankfurt podcast, luck in the uh, DFB Pokal final. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was going to say is that uh, it seems like ever since that announcement came uh, from Kovac that he was going to leave him for Bayern, that this when the team kind of lost their form and they, they kind of went on a, a slump after that. And it, it, I don't know if it was coincidence or just uh, the way the, the schedule lined up, but um, it seemed to have an effect. Whether he, whether he admits it or not, I think it did. Um, so anyway, let's get into the game. Uh, early on, uh, in the fourth minute or so, uh, there's a free kick that uh, Harit uh, just missed. Um, uh, he scored on, uh, well, Schalke, I should say, have scored on 25 set pieces in the season. So they were looking to score there. And uh, yeah, Harit missed it, just missed it there. And they just missed their 26th goal of the season there. Uh, but it's a good start from Schalke. They're they on the front foot. Um for most of the game, but it's good to see it start early and like, like they did this one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, get off to slow starts sometimes. And this isn't a particularly great offensive team overall. So I, I do like it, especially when we're at home that we take the initiative early and, uh, you know, try to force the issue right off the bat. Yeah. Schalke kept, uh, kept the pressure on early on and they earned another a corner kick actually. And then the fifth minute, um, of course they're going to go for Naldo on these, on these things. And he got, he got the ball, but, uh, it's one of the rare misses for for Naldo off a corner header. Uh, I thought that was going to be a goal. I was getting ready to celebrate, and it, it goes wide. I'm like, wait, what? That's not how it's supposed to go. <laughs> yeah, good delivery from Ochipka from the left hand side. Uh, Naldo ultimately goes up against two Frankfurt defenders, so a little bit of traffic for him to navigate. Uh, rises up, makes contact with it, but fairly off target, as you said. A little bit surprising for him to uh, miss that poorly, but uh, I'm not going to criticize him too much. He's 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 done plenty for us this season, far more than any of us would have expected or or asked for. So uh, we'll let him off the hook for that one. Yeah, and and early on it was pretty much all Schalke. It was very very little traffic going uh, against Farman. Uh, but, you know, the one, the one of the few moments of, uh, I guess, brilliance, I would say, from Frankfurt, uh, it was on the ninth or ninth minute or so, uh, Gasinovich uh, received a pass from Willem, and uh, mm-hmm. he took a shot with the outside of his right foot. Uh, great shot, and Farman made a beautiful save on it. Um, he, he obviously had to come up big there because, you know, he hadn't got no, he didn't have any shots against him up until that point, so he had to be ready for that, and he made a great save. Yeah, sneaky player, Gasinovich. I've been impressed with him this season. Obviously, we've had a good look at him. We've played Frankfurt, um, you know, three times and haven't played that many teams that many times. So, uh, as you say, yeah, a clever run off the shoulder, gets in behind, and then uh, takes that shot early with the outside of his foot, which Fairman was not expecting. I wasn't either. And uh, luckily, Fairman is able to, uh, you know, get his feet under him enough to kind of lunge back the other way and, 
uh, makes a diving tip on it to kind of push it wide past the post. But uh, dangerous piece of play from them early. Absolutely. Um, and then there's something I want to kind of talk about. Uh, that it's one of the few exciting moments of the first half. And it was uh, in the 11th minute, um, Weston McKinney, he, he, he forays into the box. Uh, he collides with Salcedo. Both players go down. Was that a foul for you, Jack? It wasn't. Um, Salcedo, I believe, got to the ball first from what I can see. Uh, and McKenney, uh was going to kick the ball and ends up kicking the back of Salcedo's leg, which is what brings the two players down. Um, luckily, no one was injured. That's the kind of play where you can occasionally see somebody breaking a leg or something. Right. Um, so luckily, both those players were all right. But uh, I thought that was clean, personally. Just unfortunate because I was convinced that Weston McKenney was going to score. Uh, yeah. On that play and and bring his first uh, <laughs> Schalke goal for us. It was a it was a great piece of play from him. Actually, uh, scuffed on Twitter at uh, Zleb Mata, um, Z L E B M A D A, uh, put together a nice uh, GIF thread of Weston McKenney moments from this match, and I'm glad he did because I thought Weston McKenney had a had a pretty good game, um, one of the better games we've seen from him. And this this play was just you know one example. Of that, um, and it kind of goes to what we speak about with McKenney quite often. Um, the things that he's he's capable of, the flashes he shows um, in front of goals, uh, in front of goal, even though he hasn't obviously converted any of those. But um, you know, this this play starts off uh, with him receiving the ball in you know a pretty tight area. Uh, you know, plays a little one-two with Goretzka, avoids a defender, plays out wide, and then he makes this run. Um, to receive the ball from Caligari. It's a little give-and-go situation, and yeah. he doesn't receive that pass from Caligari, but he keeps his run going, which is a really smart, intelligent play. And so this ball comes into Bergstaller, and, and McKenney's kept that run going, and he receives it in the box. You know, clever takedown with kind of his shoulder, and he's, he's squaring up to put this one away. And uh, like we said, he, he ultimately can't get to it because Salcedo breaks him off. But, um, you know, that, that's the kind of flash we love to see him bombing forward and getting into dangerous areas and, um, you know, a strong overall performance, you know, defensively and everything else. But uh, I, I think he has goals in him. I really do. Um, or at least, you know, he can be an outlet for his teammates up the pitch. We certainly yeah. saw glimpses of it throughout this game, uh, his offensive ability. Uh, so we ho- hopefully he can start, you know, he'll, he'll mature it and learn from uh, and how to take advantage of, the, of certain plays and certain passes and goals uh, will come. So uh, we'll see. But, yeah, I, I'm kind of with it. With, I'm, I'm the same boat as you. I thought it was a clean play. Uh, I, too, at first, I thought, oh, definitely penalty. But then I saw the replay, and you see that he clearly gets Salcedo's leg, and, and he kind of made a meal of the of the fall. And uh, so I was fine with that. But I know a lot of people were clamoring for a penalty when that happened. And, uh, you know, when you look at the replay, you take your, your unbiased goggles off or your biased goggles off that you'll see that uh, it was it was a clean play ultimately, and uh, the right call was made there. Um, yeah, I'm surprised VAR didn't get involved knowing how these Frankfurt matches go, right? <laughs> I'm sure the uh, Uncheck Frankfurt podcast guys are happy that no- nothing went to see VAR this time. It's the first time, I think. Uh, yeah, the, the end result's a red card for Justin Fernandez. What? He wasn't even involved in the play. <laughs> Send him off. Send him off. Enough of him. A um, few minutes after that play, um, Frankfurt again were, were causing havoc. Uh, Sebastian, Sebastian Haller. Uh, he had a good a good sniff at goal. He took a shot, and luckily for us, it went just wide of Fireman. Um, at that at that moment, it looked like Frankfurt was starting to get on the front foot. Uh, in that shot, uh, it was it was a close call. It, luckily, it was wide, but it was close. I think Schalke had probably the lion's share of the good chances. This one, I think defensively, we were very good, but these were 
maybe the two most worrying plays of the entire match, in my opinion, or, or two of the three probably yeah, that happened yeah. very early in early succession. So um, the way this match started isn't exactly how it played out, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, Hilaire off target. But that, that Kasinovich play and then this one were both uh, worrying moments for me early on. And uh, I'm glad that we ended up recovering from that and uh, ultimately you know, not providing them with those kind of opportunities to run in behind. Yeah, yeah, uh, and so these failed opportunities that that Frankfurt had would ultimately come to bu- come back to bite them. Uh, in the twenty first minute, uh, Bergstaller would get a header goal off of you guessed it, Jack, a set piece uh, off of Caligiri uh, is a twenty six set piece goal on the season, which is impressive number as it is for Schalke or any team. Uh, but yeah, what a beautiful header by uh, by Bergstaller. I think it was aiming for for Naldo, but he got there just before him. Somehow, three I think it was three Frankfurt defenders uh, were right there, and they all missed the ball before uh, before uh, Bergstaller got it. Yeah, not not great defending. Um, there's a couple of Schalke players that had fairly free runs. Uh, into the box and Caliguri nine times out of ten is going to provide you with an excellent delivery, which he does here. And it's a it's a great header from Bergstaller. Makes excellent contact. Doesn't really have to do a whole lot. I mean, as long as he hits it squarely, the power from that cross is really going to do the rest. And he kind of pops it up into the uh, the far corner. Um, no chance for the goalkeeper. One yeah. uh, nil. And it really, <laughs> this play and this entire game, really, in my opinion, is just sort of a microcosm of Schalke's season. I mean, it's uh, yeah. not a particularly dazzling offensive display, but a, you know, a very hardworking team, very well defensively organized, and opportunistic on the set pieces and the dead ball situations, and you know, nab these goals when we can. So, uh, you know, hopefully, this is a team that can improve next season uh, in terms of creating goals from open play, because I'd like to think that Bundesliga teams are going to do a better job, maybe defending set pieces against Schalke next season. Um, now that they've had a kind of year to look at it, maybe not. I mean, as long as Naldo doesn't shrink six inches, and maybe he'll. Hey, <laughs> he'll they're going to have Salih Sane too to add to that too. That's true, dual threat. So maybe it'll keep going. But um, you know, I, I just thought that was funny. Like the way this game played out is just exactly what we've seen from Schalke this season so many times. And you know, it's it's it, historically it seems Schalke has always been dangerous on the set pieces against Frankfurt. In this game, it seemed every set piece is a dangerous play. Uh, they had chance after chance. Um, this game kind of slowed down, I, I think. I mean, uh, I'm going to fast forward to the 35th minute unless something that jumped out at you uh, in between then. Uh, I thought, you know, Schalke were doing a good job of, of suffocating Frankfurt's offense. and They weren't, be able, to, they weren't able to create anything uh, for the rest of that first half, I thought. Yeah. Um, in the 35th, there was another free kick. Uh, uh, the Frankfurt nearly cleared it out. Um, it, was a, it was a weird way. I don't even know who who got it, but somehow they barely got it. They barely cleared it out. Uh, again, dangerous play by Schalke, and uh, have just Frankfurt had no no solutions for it. Yeah, I mean, just free kick, dead ball situations again. Um, you know, we we do an excellent job of getting into those situations, and you know, getting getting fouls and setting ourselves up for those, and. Uh, more often than not, we, we find a way to convert at least one of them. So, uh, I mean, we had opportunities to convert even more of them today, and I, I wish maybe Goretzka had gotten on the end of one or something. That would have been a nice send-off for him. But, uh, yeah, Frankfurt was uh, under the gun for a lot of this match. Yeah, and you could you could see also Goretzka throughout the, ma- the match went on. He kept trying to you know, push it, push the push the pace, and try to get the goal in there because he know, he wanted to end it on a good note for him for sure. For sure, I thought Caligiri had a, pr- a pretty pretty fantastic game actually, um, as he usually does. Yeah, as he usually does. Yeah, and then the forty third minute, he kind of started this like uh, combination play where he gave it to Burkseller and Burkseller and gave it to I mean Harit. 
uh, he who he takes a shot, uh, pushes it just wide. But uh, it was good to see the combination play by by those three players. Um, Caligiri again starting everything up, and uh, Burksaw. It was good to see him distributing uh, for these plays, not just trying to finish them. It's a beautiful pass from Caligari, uh picking out Bergschaller, um, really cuts through half of the Frankfurt team, and then yeah. Bergschaller just tips it on for Harit because he's about to be taken out by a defender. And uh, I thought Harit maybe had a chance for a Meg there or something, put it through the goalkeeper's legs. Ultimately, he drags it a little bit wide. Kind of Planka was making a parallel run, but um, wasn't able to really get open. So I don't blame Harit for, for taking that shot on his own. Just, you know, didn't hit the target, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um uh, and then before the first half ended, really, the only, the only thing worth note was uh, Salcedo, the defender for Frankfurt. He picks up a yellow in the 44th, a foul on Harit, uh, who else, right? And for Harit, one of the most foul guys in the, in the Bundesliga. Um, and so that set up a close-range free kick, like just outside the box. And Leon Goretzka was the one to take uh, – it was him and Ochipka lining up for it, and you knew Goretzka was going to take it because he was going to try to get a goal. Uh, he did get a shot off, but it was it ended up being a, an easy save for Radeski, uh, ultimately. So – that's the way it, the first half would end, one nothing. Uh, it was it was funny that foul on Harit. Uh, you know, it was right at the end of the. I don't know if Salcedo was just tired, but uh, Harit gets the ball in acres of space and is kind of running at the back line, and yeah. uh, it looks like he's about to just blow by him. And Salcedo just takes him out with his arm. He's like, oh, I don't have the Four energy to try to like you know move my legs and get in front of him. So <laughs> he's like, fuck, uh, this. I'm gonna use my hand. Yeah, pretty funny. Decent attempt from Goretzka. Um, ultimately, not able to get it in. Yeah, like I said, I would have loved to see him get a goal to send things off but he hasn't been scoring too many goals late not a not a huge goal scoring season for him yeah no goals since october um and and you know oh, is it really that long it has been that long unfortunately yeah he scored a bunch wow. in the beginning he had like it was like one stretch was like four out of five games he had scored yeah. a goal and then he dried up um and you need that for a special goalkeeper like uh Radeski, you mm-hmm. need to be you need to have a special shot and then yeah that guy, was... that's what the guys were failing to do in this one i thought yeah, it was. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't good enough to beat him. It wasn't a terrible attempt, but you gotta you gotta offer a little bit more. You gotta have a Naldo type cannon or something like that. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so looking at the stats of the first half, uh, possession was fairly even. I think it was like fifty-one to forty-nine. Schalke. Uh, surprisingly, you would have thought that Schalke had majority of possession, but it was fairly even. Uh, if you look at that, shots though were six to two in favor of Schalke, and, and then the one yellow that we mentioned was Salcedo. Um, so coming out of halftime, we noticed there was a substitution, which is not uncommon for Tedesco. The substitution who he, the, the player he used was a, was a surprise. Um, Ralph Fairman wasn't on the pitch. He got sub- substituted off for Alexander Nubel, the young 20, was a 21 year old. Um, that was a surprise move by me. Now, there's a couple, a couple theories that came from that. It could, one was that, hey, Tedesco just giving the youngster an opportunity to play. Uh, and then I heard a commentator also say that, Hey, maybe this could be Nubel's last game with Schalke, which I hope is not the case. But um, what did you make of that whole substitution there with Farman coming off and, and Nubel on? Now, Nubel potentially departing is not something I had heard or been aware of. But, uh, I mean, the decision was surprising for me as well. But I think it was actually a really good decision and, and multifaceted, as you said. Um, one, obviously, you have Farman, who's just been a rock and a consistent uh, figure for us back there, so they allowed him to get the start to keep his streak of consecutive starts alive. But then you know you you throw a bone to Nubel, let him get some match time for you know he, he's every week in week out he's on the bench and can't seem to break into the first team because you know Fairman's so good and and so consistent and you know has been healthy this season. But then um, in addition to giving Nubel some time, you uh, also give Leon Goretzka the captain's armband for the second half. Yes, which was a nice way to send him off. So that was that was a cool gesture, and I think uh, I think it was a move that worked out. 
Uh, yeah, that, was, that was great to see that. And uh, what, one of the first things I noticed from Noble uh, in the first few minutes of the second half is that he's actually a really good passer. He's really good with his feet, much better than Farman is. Uh, he's not quite Neuer level but uh, or Ter Stegen level, but he's, he he's can play with his feet, and he got us some jams. He made some very light, like, rocketed passes like to to half field to the players that he wanted. So that's that's impressive from the youngster. Uh, you know, we never get to see him play, and uh, so it's it's good to see him what, what – Schalke potentially have uh, on the bench, uh, you know, obviously a Farman there who's a stalwart, but mm-hmm. um, good talent, good talent there. Fairman's an excellent keeper, uh, phenomenal in one-on-one situations, phenomenal, you know, in terms of shot stopping, and, and pretty good in terms of his his command on corners and organizing the defense and getting out and punching stuff. Um, the one place that we tend to criticize him with is, as you say, is with his feet and his uh, his distribution and you know his, his passing out of the back. So. Um, Luckily, I think that's probably the least important part of goalkeeping as opposed to, you know, saving shots and organizing yeah. the defense and being in the right positions. But, uh, yeah, you know, if, if, if Nubles, you know, has that kind of skill set that, you know, good for him, that bodes well for the rest of his career. Absolutely. And that's Maybe becoming more, I think that's becoming more common as well with some of the world's best goalkeepers that you're seeing that become a trait that's, um, uh, prized with certain managers and, um, you know, some of the best keepers in the world have that ability too. Absolutely, um, and like we said, the former Schalke boy uh, Neuer was kind of the one who kind of started all this. Uh, as far as the new guy, the new kids that do, that do it, and Guardiola is obviously a big fan of it, and and uh, several other managers, and then and you know Ter Stegen. It seems like all the German keepers are really good at it. Uh, with Spanish goalies there as well. So, um, yeah. Uh, so in the 46th minute, uh, getting to this game uh, in the second half, uh, Schalke they started. You know, this game picked up, and I think it's because partially due to the fact that at halftime Stuttgart were actually beating Bayern two to one. Um, it was two quick goals by by Stuttgart to get them the lead, um, and so Frankfurt knew that they had to get a goal. They had to get a result in this game, so it kind of opened up the whole second half because. You know, they were they were going for more opportunities, therefore leaving themselves exposed. And Schalke had a lot more opportunities as well, um, though Schalke pretty much you know dominated that as you you mentioned before. Uh, and the forty six Harit, uh, he came down, he was coming down the pitch, uh, set up Bergstaller with a great opportunity. I thought he was going to bank that goal, bank that shot home, but uh, blocked by the defender. Um, shortly thereafter, uh, Ochipka he did well to get out of get out, his. I want to talk about Ochipka for here because. I, you know, we haven't seen much of him lately, and uh, usually all his kudos have been on the offensive end, you know. But um, around the 48th minute, just shortly after, you know, their opportunity where Berkshire had a couple of opportunities to score, um, a chip goes down in the corner. He's uh, There's like a, a one or two guys on him. Uh, it looks like he's ready to concede a corner possibly, but he somehow gets out of that. He's on his knees, retains the ball, and then walks away with the ball and, and, and you know, get the, gets the ball out of the play. They pass it along to his teammates. Um, and then, like a few minutes later, after that, uh, Ochipka, I forget what the player was for for um, Frankfurt, was coming down the pitch, and he slides, tackles, and wins the ball all in one 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 motion. Um, stellar play by Ochipka defensively. We you know we don't we talked about all the time about his offensive skill, his set piece skills, but defensively he he showed me something today that you know uh, there's something we haven't seen in a while, and I was like, man. Ochipka had a pretty good game, especially uh, you know retaining the ball and, and not turning the ball over. I mean, he's just solid, isn't he? I mean, he yeah. does, I don't think yeah. he. Uh, there's not one part of his game that really stands out above the rest of it. I mean, maybe you could say that that's his delivery is something that's above average. But he's just, right. generally speaking, very durable. I know we said that we had the issue um, er- earlier, but you know, played almost every match for Frankfurt last season. 
um, and has you know started off the season playing every match. I think almost in the in the Hinrun or probably almost every every game. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean you're seeing. I mean nothing he did on the pitch today would have been a surprise to Frankfurt. They they know what he's capable of, and um, you know it was good to see him back in the lineup and, and doing those things. Uh, you know hopefully he keeps it going in the future for us. He's just uh, an excellent option back there. I mean there's not much more you can say about it than that. He's just he's just somebody that you don't have to worry about ever. You know we talk about um, somebody like Stambouli or Carer occasionally and and. You know the the momentary moments of insanity, lapses in judgment, poor decision making, that sort of thing. Um, you know, as good as those guys have been this season, but that's just not something that really ever occurs to you with Ochipka. Um, you just you just know what you're going to get from him, and he goes out and puts in a shift and does his job. And it's funny, you know, we were just talking about how how nice it is to have him back there. Uh, but then it seemed we got to see a little bit of him on the uh, on the other end of the pitch, uh, and that was because uh, in the 57th minute, Konoplyanka would come off, Baba Rahman would come in, get an appearance, get some solid minutes in. So when Baba Rahman came in, the formation changed. Uh, I don't know what the at first I thought it was a four man defense, and then Chipka was in the midfield, but then kind of looked like he was playing on the left wing where Konoplyanka was. It was, was kind of hard to figure out where what the formation was, but. Um, it was good to see that Bob Maraman was out there getting some from the last 30 minutes as on the uh, last 30 minutes of the game. Yeah, he's had a very long road back from injury. He's had to deal with a lot. Um, you know, I'm glad that he came back to Schalke uh, on loan from from Chelsea and has completed his rehab here and was able to get uh, a couple minutes at the end of this one. That was that was, that was a great moment. He looked like he had some jump in him too. Like it's like. Uh, I don't know how to explain. Maybe he's because he's been on the bench for so long. He's been itching to get out there, but he was like, he was every once he was out there. He's you could you saw him every every time. He just go after every ball, getting every loose ball. Uh, if it was in the air, was in the ground, winning tackles. Uh, he was doing he was doing very well. Yeah, I, I mean, what, I'd hope so. I mean, he should be hungry with how little soccer he's seen over the past 12, 18 months, whatever it's been. So, um, and he's he's got a lot of pace to him as well. So uh, he, he's definitely someone that's capable of tracking down those fifty fifty balls. In the 59th minute, uh, uh, Alexander Nubel would get his first uh, test, if you will. Uh, it was a free kick uh, by De, for De Guzman. Well, before this, uh, Stambouli had, had taken down, I think, Rebic uh, just outside the box. Um, Stambouli had an interesting game, uh, but he got the, the free kick for Frankfurt was just outside the box. De Guzman kicks it in. Um, of all people, Kevin Prince, or not Kevin Prince, both thing, um, the ball came in. And Nubel, he misjudges it completely, and it was uh, Rebic or Jovic, one of the two, uh, was right in front of him. He misses the ball completely, and the ball luckily bounces wide of the goalpost. Uh, and uh, I don't know what he was thinking there. Maybe he just closed his eyes and went up and jumped for it. I don't know what was going on there. And uh, he kind of ran into a wall, which was Rebic or whoever it was standing in front of him, and missed the ball completely. I mean, just match fitness, maybe. I don't know. You know, there's going to be some nervy moments when you when you don't play as often. I mean, it's one thing to do it in training. It's another thing to do it um, in, in an actual game situation. But overall, I thought he actually had a, a pretty good pretty good day. Yeah, no, I uh, we'll get more to him because I thought he. I, I well, thought he was even interesting to see. Even just a minute later, uh, there's a, there's a ball that's played through to Sebastian Allaire, who who's off the right right hand side, and um, he's charging into the box. And looks like he's going to have an opportunity to go on. Yeah. But uh, Newbold, just no hesitation, made an executive decision immediately to run out and challenge that. I think he catches Hilaire by surprise and is able to uh, play the shot off his chest and get rid of the danger. So that, that was a nice piece of play from him. 
Not only did he stop the shot with his chest, and he took a Hilaire and then went to the ball, <laughs> got the ball, and then passed it away. I'm like, oh, yeah. all right, my man, yeah. he learned quickly. I, I like to see that. That was that was that was good because it's a good decision to come out there. Because if he hadn't, uh, who knows? It could have been a one on one on one with a Hilaire and he would have, you know, he's a he's a good scorer when he gets those kind of opportunities. Um, yeah. So maybe he would have gone from the back back heel or something like that. <laughs> rare rare poor decision from Naldo there. He just kind of was taken yeah. completely out of that play. We usually don't see that from him, but. Uh, <laughs> He also wasn't the fastest, so maybe that was one of those he had to let go, right? He's just like, ah, I'm not catching up to that. Kara has the recovery speed. I, I don't really have that. Yeah, all right. Where's Robin when I need him, yeah. you know? Um, all right, so we'll go, we'll go fast forward a little bit to the uh, 63rd minute or something like that. Uh, Bergstaller, uh, again, he's trying to play setup man, this time trying to set up Goretzka. Uh, Goretzka would get off a hard shot. Uh, but unfortunately, it was right to Radetzky. Uh, I, I, it, it showed at this point of the game, you see the players, some of the players are trying to set up Goretzka, um, trying to give him that chance to get a score goal. And uh, shot, unfortunately, that shot was right to Radetzky, and he's not going to miss that. Yeah, no, not from that angle. It'd have to be a pretty spectacular shot. Baba taking the ball up left-hand side, does a good job keeping his head up, uh, does a nice job picking out Bergstaller for that, and then Bergstaller lays it off to Goretzka, as you said. Um, I think everyone in the Veltons arena was... Hoping that one was going to fly in, but it wasn't to be. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, that would have been, uh, you know, it's funny saying that because you know, a few months ago when the decision was made that he's going to Bayern, everyone was like, "Yeah, who cares what you do?" Uh, but you know, it's funny. It's the last game. Everyone's like, "All right, come on, bud. get a goal. Let's come on. Let's, let's, yeah. let's end it on a good way." So uh, it's funny how that works. Uh, a few minutes after that, Bergstaller, um again playing playmaker breaks past the defense, uh, draws the defender toward him. I think it was Roos. Uh, and then slides it over to Caligiri, who was one on one with Radetzky, and about the fin uh, makes another huge save. Uh, again, uh, it's, it's it takes a lot to beat this goalkeeper, and he played that one perfectly. He came out and and, and rushed Caligiri and forced Caligiri to make a decision. And it's a bad decision from Caligiri, unfortunately. Yeah. Probably one of the only black marks on his game. Wasn't um, Konoplyanka open or someone? It was it was Ochipka actually. Ochipka. Um, Caligiri was off right because of Baba. That substitution. Oh, you're right. Yes, yeah, but, yes. Um, uh, I mean, I'll say this for Caligari. Makes it, the second that ball gets into to Bergstaller, Caligari goes on a very energetic sprint to make himself available for that pass and absolutely smokes the defense. There's no one in front of him. Um, but he has uh, Ochipka making a parallel run and ultimately decides to go for goal himself. If he had passed that to Ochipka, that is... That's either a howler or it's 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 a, yeah. it's it's an absolute goal. I mean, it's one of those ones you're just going to pass it into the back of the net. Um, Radecki had to make a decision to you know guard one or the other, and um, wrong decision from Caligari there. Yeah, uh, and maybe at this point uh, Tedesco was either upset or had seen enough of uh, Ochipka as a left winger, or you know he wanted to see some young blood in the in the game. And so in the 68th minute, he took off Ochipka and brought on Cedric Toykert uh, for another good run. Usually, uh, Toykert's coming in the game with like five minutes to go or so, but uh, he's coming in at the 68th. He's going to have at least a, a, a qu- yeah, more than a quarter minutes. hour to get. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was good to see because uh, we saw glimpses of him in, in, his, in his few minutes that he's been on before. So we want to see what he would do now with uh, a little bit more time to, to play. So uh, I think we and I think we saw that too. Uh, uh, let's see if you. We, Shortly after the substitution, um, it was clear again that you know Goretzka was trying to to end his career at the Veltins Arena with a goal. Uh, he made this great run, uh, but as soon as he gets sent into the box, that's where he lost possession. It seemed to be it was a theme for most of the season when he would do that. You know, he did something great, and when it when it came down to getting the box, he would lose it or something or or turn it over. Uh, so he did that there, um, but uh, he was definitely. Uh, 
as uh, you know gunning for that goal. He's trying to do it all himself for that play, and he had a, it was a great run to get there. But uh, once he got to the box, that's when uh, he kind of lost it. <laughs> It's something we've criticized him for a couple times um, over recent matches, uh, going for the spectacular, getting a little bit too cute as opposed to going for the more high percentage opportunity. But uh, who can blame him on his last day? And we were just talking about how um, Caligiri had a, made a poor decision by not passing to a chip and going for a goal. And mm-hmm. we kind of saw this at Toyker. Maybe Toyker was itching to get a, get a goal for Rashalka, uh for the next few minutes because – um, Toyker, you know, he received this great pass over the defense. I think it was Caligiri, but I'm not positive. Um, and he found himself all alone, one on one with the keeper. Uh, he goes for a shot instead of passing. I believe there was someone uh, wide left that he could have passed to. Uh, but Radeski with another big save on it, and uh, yeah, I was surprised to see him that open. Yeah, so this is actually this is actually not on Toyker at all. This is 100 percent on Guido Bergstaller. Um, okay. So Toykert, as you say, receives this ball. He makes he makes a great run. He's just on side, times his run perfectly. Bergstaller is making an identical run, um, completely parallel. Like they're they're making this move at the exact same time. Both of them were doing the exact same thing, and for some reason, Bergstaller just assumes that he's offside and it's and it's being blown dead. So he stops his run and kind of puts uh. his arms up and. If he had kept that going, he would have been wide open, and it would have been, you know, an identical situation to that um, Caligario Chipka duo, where he would have been able to pass it to Bergstauer, and it would have, you know, just tapped it in the back of the net because um, he had, you know, five yards of space at least between him and the next Frankfurt defender behind him. But unfortunately, he he stops that run, and then you know he he's not really available for an outlet for Toykert. So um, I can't blame Toykert at all. He really had to go for goal there. I mean, maybe he could have tried to catch a trailing Goretzka, but. Um, I'm going to put that one on Bergstaller for not playing until he hears the whistle. Okay, yeah, yeah, uh, and, and and it was definitely a good save, a good shot attempt by Cedric, uh, by Cedric, no matter what. But mm-hmm. um, it was a it was a good save also by the keeper. So uh, the play would end up going down the pitch. Uh, Schalke would regain the ball, but then they would turn it over, um, and then Rebic uh, he would find himself one on one with Nubel. Uh, so instead of shooting, which he should have done. Uh, test the young keeper out, right? No, he opted to pass to him Prince Boateng. Why? I don't know. I don't know. It's like passing to DeSanto, right? Um, instead of shooting, and then Kara ended up clearing the ball because he got he got to it first. Uh, but you know, we wanted we were wondering who gave it to Rebic, right? When you look back to replay, yeah. Stamboli. He did. Um, it's kind of an inexplicable decision as well. I just don't think he saw Rebic. I think he was going for a back pass to Fairman. Um, and, uh, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> Rebich was right in the, in the way of that. He, he just passes it right to him, uh, to give him that opportunity. And, uh, as you said, maybe, maybe Boateng was going to yell at him, right? If he didn't yeah. <laughs> receive the ball or something, but absolutely the wrong decision. Um, he has an opportunity to go, you know, near post, far post, try something. And he, he just kind of delivers a weak pass across the box. I believe McKenney maybe was able to pick out. I forget who it was. Maybe it was Carrer, but um, I thought that was a goal for sure when that play and we got bailed out and then yeah. it turned into an attack down the other end. It was That was quite the sequence right? for the last like minute and a half, uh, a couple opportunities for for each team. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, it's when I noticed when Toyker came in, he ended up becoming like the main striker. It seemed like Bergstaller mm-hmm. went out left. Uh, and so Toyker was getting every ball and uh, he, he ended up feeding Bergstaller in the box um, his shot gets deflected by Da Costa, and it was uh, ended up being saved by Radetzky. Uh, but it's good to see uh, the two former uh, Nuremberg players uh, hooking up and, uh, and and getting a near goal there. 
Yeah, he, I thought he, he was lively. He was, you know, trying to get in behind. He was timing his runs excellently. Um, and, and that's what you like to see. You like to see activity up there and somebody trying to make things happen and, you know, not playing the game as passively and waiting for Schalke to, to kind of build up out of the midfield, but, you know, make himself available for a more incisive pass and really kind of force the issue. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't think Toik scored yet uh, for Schalke, but, and he hasn't gotten too many minutes with which to do it, but um, I haven't been disappointed in his performances. I think he's uh, looked pretty good. His finishing at times has been slightly suspect, but... But he's got a good hard shot, which is nice to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, I think the more important thing is that every time he comes into the game, he seems to get into a dangerous area at least once or twice, which is really all you can ask from him at this point. The fact that he is um, has a nose for uh, the open spaces on the pitch, the positioning, where where to go to make himself available to his teammates, and then I don't think it'll be too long before the uh, the finishing product becomes you know a component of that. So, lots to look forward to from him. He's certainly given uh, Tedesco something to think for about next season because uh, obviously Mark Luther is in there is going to come in next year. Uh, Bergstaller is obviously there. De Santo is there, whether we want it or not. Uh, but uh, Toykert has been doing, like you said, nonstop good stuff to, for Schalke every time he, for his brief appearances. And, and this game in particular, he had more time to shine and uh, he kept, you know, he kept making his presence known uh, every play, it seems like. Um, yeah, I mean, barring injury, though, I think it's going to, I think he's going to find it difficult to, to break into the team. I mean, yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, I mean, not for whatever reason, we know why, but Tedesco seems to like Franco DeSanto quite a bit. If he ends up, you know, remaining with the team, um, you'll probably see him being used. You know, in, in a similar fashion with you know his pressing and his work rate and everything, and uh, you know with Margut's coming in and and Bolo and Bergstaller, there's there's a lot of people to uh, to get past to find your way into the team sheet. So he's he's got his work cut out for him. But uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. So you know we, Chalka were doing a good job offensively and kind of limiting Frankfurt's opportunities. But Frankfurt would finally get a, a decent opportunity on the on the young keeper for Schalke in the 76-minute Rebic. Uh, he pretty, it seemed like he went through like several Schalke players. Uh, he ended up, ended up out-muscling Tilo Kerr uh, and took a low heart shot uh, to the far post, but uh, an excellent save by, by Nubel um, for not having many opportunities in the game up to that point. Uh, I thought he did very well to to paro bury away a, a shot, a good shot that was uh, looked like it was aimed right for the goal. Yeah, Bergschaller doing some ball watching on this one. He just kind of. <laughs> I think he, notes. I think he thought two other Schalke defenders were going to stop Rebic, so he's just kind of like you know jogging back, and he had an opportunity to get in front of him and stop that whole play, and, and didn't. Maybe he was just tired at the end of the match. I don't know, but uh, as you said, Rebic uh, ultimately muscles Carer off the ball, uh, moving to his right, and then hard low shot back across his body towards you know the left side of goal and really forced uh Nubel to get down quickly and get a handout which he did and he was able to just push it wide so that was i think maybe the highlight of the match for for, for Nubel and that was that was a good moment yeah yeah and he had a, after making that brilliant save uh you know it, it going and him going to a corner um and he almost had like a, a scary moment right after that so uh off the corner kick uh, the ball bounces around like pinballs around the around the floor uh, and somehow Da Costa gets it. You would think it's a goal, right? He shoots it and just misses wide. I don't know how he missed it, but he missed it because I guess there were too many legs there. I don't know. Um, plus he's a defender. So, uh, yeah, that was a, I thought that for sure that was a goal there for Frankfurt that was coming and luckily it, it missed wide. 
Yeah, I think it was like one versus three or four Schalke players. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a like a youth soccer game, right, for the Park District where everyone's just <laughs> in a circle kicking the ball at each other's shins, like, you know, not a whole lot happening. Um, if you actually watch, they showed a replay from the goal angle on that one. And from yeah, that yeah. angle, it actually looks like the ball goes into the net. Like, that's how yeah. close it was. Um, exactly. Obviously, obviously it didn't. I'm not saying that it was, like, the wrong call or something. But, um, yeah, just misfired wide. And, and I mean, Newble had no time to react to that to try to save it. So, uh, dodged a bullet there. And it also looked like the players must have had their eyes closed because everyone was kicking and missing. It seemed like the ball was just bouncing <laughs> and avoiding everyone's feet except the cost of who finally got it. And then it just missed it. So, yeah. uh, luckily for us, anyway... Uh, we were talking about earlier how McKenney was uh, had a pretty good performance in this one, and in the 80th minute, he he sprung Goretzka, who once again in the box uh, ended up fumbling it. Unfortunately, he was trying to get that goal as hard as he possible. I mean, players are saying about McKenney in this in this instance, and uh, again, he getting getting the goal goal area, he just uh, loses it somehow. Uh, the guy was trying though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, every time he got a touch, I, I was I was rooting for it. It just it just wasn't going to happen today. So the game looked like it was destined to end a one nothing. Uh, but then in the 86th minute, Frankfurt would get a free kick uh, near near the box, and um, it ultimately getting uh, cleared. Of all people, I was trying to say earlier, it was uh, Kevin Prince Boateng clears the ball uh, for whatever reason. He had tried to head it in, and he hit it backwards. I don't know. That's kind of why he's not with us anymore. Uh, anyway, that that sparked a counter attack where uh, Stambouli ended up feeding it to McKenney, who was sprinting down the field. Um, he ended up passing it to Harit, who gave it quickly to Toykert for a nice shot that was saved by Radetzky. Uh, it ended up being that well, I thought that when, it ha- when the pass initially happened, that Harit was offside, and he was. Uh, but it was nice to see the teamwork and the counter from the back to the front jack between the, uh, all the players there. It's, a, it's good to see with, uh, with the youngsters all cl- hooking up with each other and, and setting up a play that you know, had a chance to score and if you know, it, was, it stayed onside. Yeah, I mean, it's something that Schalke is certainly capable of. Um, I, I think we struggle to break teams down when we have possession in the final third, but in terms of counterattacking, that's something we've been good at all season, and a lot of times it ends in somebody being taken out and fouled and setting up those free kicks that we seem to have so many of that you know result in these um, uh, you know headed goals and everything. So, uh, yeah, just another example of that and something I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more of. I think you know the emphasis just has to be on breaking teams down once we actually advance the ball there and, and kind of hit a, hit, a, hit a wall. So, uh, you know, frustrating. This is one of those games that you feel like we should score more than just the one goal, oh, obviously. <laughs> um, and that's not a new thing for Schalke. No, I mean, you, no. you'd, like to, you'd like to see more than that. But, um, you know, good defensive performance. And as I said earlier, I think we probably got the lion's share of, of the of the good chances. So uh, a good performance overall. I was surprised with, with Frankfurt. Um, you know, they, they picked things up a little bit in the second half, but they really weren't pushing for it as much as I expected them to, given the situation. I mean, they still had, you know, it was a long shot, but they still had a, a shot at Europe. And yeah, oh, they had. I mean, they had the win. They did the win, which is hard against obviously a Schalke team. But yeah, but. still, I mean, the crazier thing was that, um, you know, as the game is about to wrap wrap up, the Stuttgart game had gone crazy, and Stuttgart won four to one. That game ended before, so they beat Bayern. Uh, in the last game of the season, four to one to to leapfrog uh, Frankfurt for that last Europa League spot. So, you know, the last couple minutes of the game, Frankfurt knew that they had to get a win, not only to draw, but they had to win against Schalke to to you know get that position back. And yeah. they weren't putting up any kind of a fight. It seemed like they had like three opportunities all game long. Really, uh, Schalke were just suffocating them away that they couldn't do anything on attack. And I don't know if that's more indictment on Schalke, you know, their defensive work, or just a. Uh, Disheartened lack of interest by by Frankfurt. I don't know. 
you know, it was, it was those couple of opportunities early in the match and then a very long stretch, you know, the remainder of the uh, probably the I guess I'm going to phrase this with you, but the second half of the first half, um, <laughs> uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot going on from them from maybe around the the 20 minute mark to the hour mark of the match. They, 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 they kind of picked it up the last 20 minutes or so. But as I said earlier, yeah, just I expected a little bit more from them. Um, Schalke really nothing to play for. And Frankfurt quite a bit to play for still. So uh, weird to see, you know, the lack of, um, you know, initiative from them to some extent. Yeah, and it was uh, it's good to see uh, the young guys that came in uh, get some opportunity and playing well. Nubel, Toykert, uh, and obviously Baba Rahman. Um, it, it shows that the future is bright for Schalke, um, for, for all three of those players and then for the whole team. Um, so after the game, uh, it was it's was evident that, you know, the match actually meant a lot to Leon Goretzka, and you could see that he was getting emotional after the match. Yeah, um, the team did a nice thing, but they let him approach the the, the Nord Curve by himself. He ended up taking the jersey off and and giving it to a kid. Uh, then he ended up putting a DeSanto jersey on. He should have given it to the kid as well or something, but maybe the kid would have threw it back. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> um, but yeah, so after that happened, uh, they took some pictures, you know, as they would. Uh, for finishing second place, and then uh, the team ended up like tossing them up in the air and, uh, several times as a as a thank you. And you know, it shows how much the players, how much he meant to them. And uh, you know, as as bitter as we were when it, when the announcement was made, I think he did and said all the right things as opposed to what Max Meyer didn't do. And uh, he you know he said I want to you know get Chalka back in Champions League, and he 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 did that. Um, not with goals or anything, but uh, you know his hard work. Uh, and he kept saying the right things, and he he did the right. He, he like I said, he could put his head down and just got to work and and kept fighting. He and he kept you know Tedesco kept putting him back in the lineup because it showed because the work ethic was there. So um, overall, you know, it's good to see him end it on a good note. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, there's not a whole lot you can say if you're him at that point. I, I think talking would have made it worse, and I don't think he gave too many interviews or really touched upon it all that often after the decision was made. And I think that was probably a smart decision from him. Um, just kind of go out there and, and try to do his thing. And, you know, I was critical of him in the Rook run. I don't think his performance is really up to par, but, um, you know, compared with, with Max Meyer, I mean, maybe that even helped him how, how poorly Max Meyer was acting. Um, maybe it made him look even better than maybe it otherwise might have. But He's like, I'm just going to shut um, up. Max is going to make me look good. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he's a player that doesn't show all that much emotion all the time, except for when he's yelling at the ref. Uh, usually kind of keeps a pretty even expression. And yeah. um, you can could, you could see that that broke a little bit after the game. It definitely definitely meant a lot to him. And, uh, you know, Schalke came out with their uh, Dolce Visa Meister banner, which I thought was interesting. I mean... <sighs> Second, we're excited that we finished second, right? Like that's yeah. a that, that's an accomplishment. But to uh, have a massive banner saying "runner up," yeah, I was like, I mean, we're we celebrating not winning the league. It was it was no, but I mean, I guess they were just doing that to you know show the fans that they appreciated the support that helped them get to this point or whatever. And uh, definitely a, a good season, one worth celebrating. Now, the, the sign that I liked the best was uh, the Vest Deutsche Meister in the in the crowd, which is you know the West German champions, uh, which is kind of funny, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was interesting. It was, it was a good season overall, obviously. And um, not only did we beat Dortmund, but uh, Dortmund actually had to play Hoffenheim in the last match of the season, and Hoffenheim won three to one. So Hoffenheim leapfrogged them by virtue of a goal differential. And so actually, it was three teams tied with fifty five points. It was those two plus Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah. Uh, but you know, goal differential. Hoffenheim ended up getting the third Champions League spot. Dortmund got the fourth. And then Leverkusen got relegated to uh, Europa League with Leipzig. So, 
I just want to take a moment to congratulate Hoffenheim. What an end of the season they put together. Yeah, we were. Nagelsmann. I mean, talk about the the lack of uh, the loss of the talent that Nagelsmann had to endure. Rudy, uh, Nicolas Sula, um, Wagner, um, as well. Three of his best players. I mean, maybe arguably his three best players. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it, it was a rocky season for them at times, but you know, they kind of managed to steady the ship and keep themselves within striking distance to go on a run at the end, which is exactly what they did, and they end up leapfrogging Dortmund on the last day and lock up uh, a Champions League qualification. So, uh, you know, great for them. Um, unfortunately, they're also going to be losing Oot as well, um, which is not going to help. But, uh, yeah, I mean, props to Nagelsmann. I mean, I think Tedesco's stolen the headlines this season as, you know, the new kid on the block, right? What, what Very much what Nagelsmann was last year with the young manager, you know, per- overperforming expectations and yeah. um, doing well. But uh, Nagelsmann has quietly put together an excellent season and deserves a lot of credit. I mean, we probably get a consensus here that Dominico Tedesco is going to win manager of the year, but yeah. you're going to have to put the names of Nico Kovac, um, Julian Nagelsmann, and obviously Newt Heinkins in the mix as well for what they've done this season. Uh, like I said, the second half turnaround by Hoffenheim, when they were looking dead out of the water, they were looking in sixth place and looked like they were dropping, when they were losing all these guys, and they went on this huge run at the end of the season and ended up coming in third place, beating Dortmund uh, on the last match day. That's, uh, that's just a great, great job by Nagelsmann, and it shows that these two managers are hopefully here to stay. Um, people were mocking the laptop managers originally when Nagelman was hired, then you know, Tedesco and the rest of the guys. Uh, Sandra Wagner is another one, but I think these guys, uh, they know what they're doing, and, and like at least in Tedesco's respect, uh, he's earned the respect from his teammates. You know, He's three years younger than Naldo, and Naldo's like, this guy is awesome. This guy is, uh, I definitely look up to this guy. This guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, you so. can tell that the players love him, and he loves the players. There's such a great sense of camaraderie. I mean, uh, his post-game huddles with the team on the pitch and those yeah, kind of things. Magic. Yeah, he's great. He's kind of like Jurgen Klopp in that sense. Um, you know, going out and embracing everybody and he's very buddy buddy with the guys, but clearly has yeah. their respect as well. And that can be a difficult line to walk at times, you know, between um being authoritative and, and and being one of the guys too. And I think he does an excellent job of that and is able to motivate the team and keep them focused all at the same time. It's funny that you mentioned Klopp because when I was on the uh, Yellow Wall podcast, they were saying how like, oh, you know, we see a lot of Tedesco and and or a lot of Jurgen Klopp and and, and Tedesco, uh, and not only the way that his meteoric rise as Klopp had, but the way he is with the with the players and and whatnot. So that, that's 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 big praise coming from you know the rivals, you know what they see. Maybe, what, what maybe Heidel's done it again, right? The kingmaker, the coachmaker. Yeah, finding, he did it finding, in Mainz and yeah, he did it here. You know, exactly. so. Hopefully he learns to keep him. Uh, so that that would be great. Uh, he did he did for a good job for with Klopp for a little bit. So um, so speaking of Tedesco, the last manager before Tedesco to win at least eighteen Bundesliga games in his debut season with Schalke was Felix Magath in the two thousand nine two thousand ten season. Nineteen. Yeah, yeah. Don't well, talk I, to me. About, I don't like that guy. I'm sorry. I don't either. But when he got the when he won the title with Wolfsburg, I thought uh, Wolfsburg or Bremen. Uh, either way, uh, Wolfsburg. I think uh, one of those green like, oh. teams. Yeah, well, he he won like with two different teams in two different years. I think it was the title, and I was like, oh, he's oh, I think it was Stuttgart or something like that. And uh, I was like, oh, he's gonna bring a title to us, and then we finished in second. I'm like, I just, no. I just kind of hate him for the rest of my life because of he looks what, like an asshole. What happened with Fulham when they got relegated? <laughs> oh, from yeah. The, uh, I don't have a Premier League team. Schalke is is the only team that I really uh, you know support in any serious sense. You know, Schalke is my my ride or die. But uh, because of the American connections to Fulham, I've I've had a yeah. soft spot for them and. Uh, he was uh, in charge when when they went down, and lost uh, the first leg of their promotion playoff to Derby County. So that's like I don't, I don't know why we're talking about championship football now. I apologize, it just derailed us completely. Uh, anyway, continue. <laughs> well, let's get into a little bit of trivia here. Um, 
Did you know, or did you know, I should say, uh, that Schalke have scored in 28 straight Bundesliga matches? The only time they had a longer scoring streak was between April 83 and April 85. I did not know that. That's a, that's a crazy stat. Uh, that is a crazy stat. And, I mean, I guess uh, it makes sense because for a while they were keeping clean sheets, but they were still scoring goals, so I guess it does make sense. But Isn't that, never, uh, isn't that funny, too, that a team, a Schalke team that we don't think is a good offensive team, has been has been consistently able to score at least one goal for that long. I mean, like, and that's that's what are the we just big game. critics like, now? Are we just critics now? No, for I, you know, I, I just mean like that's that's kind of what it's been for Tedesco all season. This is not a Schalke team when you watch them in almost any match where they go out and they dominate or you know or, or look like significantly the better side or they're doing anything particularly flashy or blowing people away. They've just week in week out put in great defensive performances and, and been opportunistic enough to, to to grab the goals when they're available to them and. Um, I think that's that stat just kind of goes to show that even though we've been critical of them, they've. I mean, it's a perfect example of that. Just you know, nabbing a goal. What was it, you would say twenty three consecutive matches? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah. Wow. Even better. That's the majority of the season. So yeah, very impressive. It's uh yeah, it's, that's a mind boggling number. Thinking just thinking about the team because you're like, well, you know, how many games we we've missed opportunities to score more goals and. I guess we, as long as we get a goal every game, I guess, right? Schalke's consistent. That's that's a big big difference between the Vidal era mm-hmm. and Tedesco's era, or any era before. You know, maybe go have to go back all to Mirko Slomka or something like that, or maybe Felix Magath for last time Schalke were a consistent team. Uh, so that's the that's the main thing I take away: discipline and, and and consistency with Schalke. That's why they that's why they are they finished where they were. Uh, fantastic season by the boys. Yep. Um. So. This uh, that's the last game of the season. Unfortunately, like we said, we lost the semifinals, so there will be no DFB Pokal final for us. Uh, we will be cheering Eintracht. I, I think we're, it's safe to say that, right? We're going to cheer for Eintracht. We're not going to cheer for the uh, the Red Empire. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we kind of have to, right? Um, <laughs> I thought you were really good at that shirt. Like, ah, I don't know. No, part, part of me, I'll say this. I'm definitely rooting for Frankfurt. I won't be upset. When they lose, they are going to lose, right. um, because that means that Schalke is going to be in the Super Cup against. Bayern. Let's get into that. Now, I thought not the Super Cup. Well, we can if you want to, but uh, I thought of the four teams remaining. You know, Leverkusen, obviously Bayern, um, Schalke, and so you say the last three don't don't include Bayern and, and Eintracht. Yeah. I thought the team that was best equipped to beat Bayern was actually Schalke, based on the performances this season and, and the style of play that they have. I thought Schalke was the best equipped. Now. Bayer were obviously the X factor because sometimes they play brilliant football that can play with anybody in the world, or times they look like the worst team in the league. Um, so they were the X factor, but I thought Schalke was the best equipped. And obviously, we lost to, to Frankfurt, and Frankfurt certainly can beat them, but you know they got beat four one. What last week? I guess it was to Bayern. Um, and Schalke's worst defeat was what two one. Is there anything that you saw from Frankfurt today that would make you think no. they're? Okay? I mean, come on, like no. yeah, yeah, anything's possible. Um, you know, they certainly could do it. I, I just I don't see it happening. And uh, if it doesn't happen, it means we get a we get a chance for some early silverware and a good test against Bayern to kind of see where we are early in the season. That would be a very interesting, especially with the new signings, and see. Uh, I'm curious. Well, yes, you're facing Kovac again, so you kind of got that you you know familiarity there. But you know now they got all the Bayern players to, to help them. To initiate his game plan better than uh, he could with the Frankfurt guys, it will be interesting. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, I mean, if if it's it's going to be Kovac's first competitive game, right? Yeah. For Bayern, it, can you imagine if Schalke go out or whoever? I mean, whoever it is, and maybe it's Frankfurt. But can you imagine if Schalke go out um, and beat them in his first match, beat Bayern for silverware? 
Um, uh, they'll be talking about his job right away. I guarantee. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. I mean, it has a potential Especially to maybe like a, like a two, three goal win. Yeah, and I think Kovac will be fine there. But you know, that that'd be an interesting thing to see how the club reacts to that. Whether or not you know that the team loses a little bit of confidence, or if that throws things off a little bit, or you know, hurts their belief in in their new manager. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's it's interesting. We'll see how also. Next year, it'll be interesting to see how Goretzka get, you know, gets into this fold. Does he get on the team? Is he on the first time to, in the first uh, first eleven, or is he coming off the bench? Uh, he, has, he has to fight his way to get on the team because there's a lot of good players on the team, and it's a big, big year for for the whole Bundesliga, really, because uh, lots of changes are going to happen. Uh, we just we know it for not only for Schalke but every every team. So uh, I'll be curious coming to see. But uh, this is not, even though this is the last game of the season, uh, this is not the last podcast uh, for us. We're going to have one more. We're going to have a season wrap up. Uh, hopefully have some guests on to to relive all the magic that was uh the Schalke season this year. Um yeah, but yeah, it, the it, grand finale for us, right? The uh the big season recap. We'll talk about all the storylines from the season. We'll probably do some, you know, player rankings, that sort of thing. Name our, you know, player of the season, all that kind of stuff. So Yeah, it, we'll look it, at the midseason awards and uh recap those and see if they're the same as they were then. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun and hopefully we have some guests on to talk about stuff as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Boom. So I think on that note, we'll end it there. Uh, keep tuning in. Well, tune in next week, I should say. Uh, we'll bring in the latest with the Royal Blues, and even into the summer, we'll, we'll try to get you uh, tidbits here and there when uh, when news breaks. Um, we want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, Up the Franz, and Bundesliga for providing us tidbits for our podcast today. If there are any topics that you would like us to discuss, uh, please do send us a tweet at SF4 underscore podcast. Send us some feedback, some uh uh, definitely much appreciated. Uh, tell us what you like. Tell us what we don't like. Uh, we're we're always trying to get better. So, um, Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? J M Mangan on Twitter. J M M A N G A N. Lovely, lovely, lovely. And once again, I am your host Richard Carmen, and you can find me as well on Twitter at r underscore k h a r m a n. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Sure.